put him in the aisle. It's a shotgun snap. Final play of the game. Ron waiting for the wideouts to get downfield. Launches the throw down toward the goal line. Going up. Ball tipped in the air. Touchdown. Jordan Westerkamp. Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Back to throw is Martinez. Now being chased, throws it out. A flat Burkhead makes a catch. Sits a tackle. 25 20, 15 10, 5. Rex Burkhead. Touchdown, Nebraska. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here tonight on Church of the Corn. You've got myself, Zach, joined by our fabulous co-host, Drake. Drake, I got your long story about your Ram earlier <laughs> before we got on. So, um, Glad we don't to need to talk you. about that. No, no, no. I'm glad. I'm glad you made it here with us. Uh, we got a we got a fun show tonight with kind of a surprise guest. Uh, yeah, and you know we get to celebrate another not Iowa Hawkeyes championship. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah, you had to start off with that, huh? In case we had like two Hawkeye listeners, but it's okay. We won't have it's them. All, it's all fun. Oh, so you had money on LSU, is what you're saying? No, I had no money on any anything. Oh, okay. I, I've, I've made all my money and then some back in the uh, in the Calcutta. San, San Diego State keeps winning. I keep making money. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear it. So maybe you can, uh, you know, yeah. you know, do, pay for that wedding that you got coming up. But let's introduce our fabulous guest, Nebraska's newest uh, commit to the 2024 class, offensive lineman from Texas. We are joined by Gibson Pyle. Gibson, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing great. Doing real good. It's been a uh, – I said this earlier before we got on the air, but I'm going to say it again. It's been a crazy weekend for you. A um, lot, lot of good stuff, obviously, with committing to Nebraska. What's what's your weekend been like, my man? Man, it's it's been crazy. You know, so I committed to, um, you know, Coach Rule and Coach Raiola on the phone on Thursday night. Um, you know, I called all the other coaches recruiting me. And so, you know, I dropped my commitment on Saturday. And then, you know, it's just been uphill from there. No, that's awesome. I mean, so you, you're, you know, obviously the staff is is wanting to hit Texas big and with the connections and everything. But um, you were one of the visitors on the uh, junior day on March 25th, and I guess what was it like coming into Lincoln, seeing the facilities, and being surrounded by the in, incredibly talented group of players that you had? What and I guess you know probably the biggest recruiting weekend in Nebraska history. What was that like? Man, it was great. Um, I really also like, you know, just getting to talk to the other recruits that, you know, the staff is looking to um, potentially get. So I feel like that was good for me. You know, I could develop those connections. And, you know, now I'm going to start recruiting them to try and get them to commit to Nebraska as well. Gibson, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the recruiting them. Um, I've been asked this question a lot since we, we found out you were going to join us. What is your message to those guys that you're recruiting and other guys that you don't even have a connection with that you would love to see uh, end up here with you? What what kind of message are you sending? Um, probably three things. Um, number one, it's the best fan base in college football. Um, number two is it's going to be the best facilities in college football. And then finally, I, th- I believe in Coach Rule. I think he's going to win some football games. Yeah, so, you know, one thing that you had brought up, and, and a lot of guys have, have mentioned this, is the facilities. And um, we all know the, about the construction that's going on down there in Lincoln. It seems like it never stops, which which is a good thing. But what, what was it like being shown, like, 
where everything currently is and what the athletic facilities will look like for athletes going forward, like recovery wise, training wise, it's kind of mind blowing, isn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, the facilities now are still competitive with other power five programs. And then you see the ones that they're going to have coming up and it just blows it out of the water. Yeah, it's, it, it always seems like there's something, uh, you know, you being an athlete and being a high-level one at that, there's always something new with recovery or uh, training or different methodologies and different things like that. Have you gotten a chance to, when you were in Lincoln, uh, talk to the new strength and conditioning coach, uh, Campbell, by chance? Yes, yes, I did. Perfect. So uh, I don't know if he kind of ran through what to expect when you enter the program or anything like that, but um, with, with you being an offensive lineman, um, going from the tackle position to most likely the interior at the next level. Um, did he go through anything that, I guess I don't want to put this, did he give you anything to, I guess, look forward to as far as entering the program and with their strength and conditioning department? Yeah, no, he kind of just, um, you know, his pitch was everything's going to be individualized. You know, he's obviously not going to train a, a receiver that's running a 4-3 the same as a lineman who's squatting 600 pounds. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's he had, uh, you know, certain goals, um, so there's like, I think like five steps that he went through and, you know, once you achieve those steps, you're going to move on to a different part of, um, his strength program. That, okay. So that, no, that's cool. I didn't know anything about that. So uh, sticking with the, uh, coaches and different things like that, obviously you were recruited here by coach Riola, um, the offensive line coach who was retained from the previous staff to this one, you know, most of us have heard a lot of really good things about him from the current offensive lineman that we have on the roster. But what were some of the biggest factors from Coach Riola that made you want to commit to the university? Something big for me was, you know, he's really family-minded. Um, you know, I want to – if you're going to be around your unit coach the most, so – and that O-line room has to be like a family. So that was one big checkbox for me. Um, and then he's just – he's honestly just real. You know, he doesn't do a lot of BS or anything, you know. None, none, none like that. So, you know, he gets after his alignment on the field. But, you know, when I saw him after practice, you know, he would talk to him on the side, you know, like tell him what they did wrong, tell him what they did right and really coach them up. So I think that was really big for me and eye opening to see him coach in person. Gibson, so you take take me through your timeline here. Uh, obviously, you you go on your visit last weekend, you commit on Thursday this week. What was the recruitment process with Nebraska and even some other schools leading up to that? And then when did you ultimately know that this is where you wanted to be? Yeah, so I kind of took a lot of like I've been fortunate enough to take a lot of visits um, in my recruitment. And so I'm one of those guys, you know, when a school offers me, I pretty much go because, you know, I don't want to leave any stone unturned to see, like, you know, if this place feels like home. And so, you know, I talked to my dad and my mom about this and you know, you just kind of know when you go like in your gut, like, you know, this is where I want to be. And so I kind of knew on that first visit. Um, and then on the second visit, when I went with my mom and stepdad, that was, you know, it just affirmed it for me. So you mentioned, you know, you make a couple trips to Nebraska here and you got recruited by schools all over the country, like Ole Miss being one of them, a big one that I had seen. What was it about, you know, coming to the Big Ten, playing Big Ten football and more importantly, what Nebraska wants to implement offensively that made Nebraska really attractive to you on that side of the ball? Yeah, no, I mean, Nebraska's place, I mean, historically has played smash mouth football and you know, that's the football I like to play. Um, and yeah, you know, I big 10 football, you know, you're playing in some of the biggest, baddest 
stadiums and teams. And, you know, I feel like that's just, that's just really, that was really attractive for me and my recruitment from Nebraska. All right. So I got to ask because now you are coming to big 10 country from Texas. Are there any uh, particular stadiums or teams that you're looking forward to playing against or, you know, playing in their, in their home stadiums? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm looking forward to playing against Michigan. Um, you know, that'll be, that'll be a big one. Um, and then my, uh, my wide receiver, uh, he go, he went to Michigan state. So I'm looking forward to playing against him, um, you know, for these next coming years. So yeah, probably those two. Have you ever been to the big ass? No, I've not. So <clears throat> Zach, have you been? I have not that that's one on my bucket list. I okay. really want to go to. So I, I obviously went this year, um, didn't watch the game, but I was there. Uh, it's really cool because it's, it's like built into the ground Gibson. So like, you know, Memorial Stadium is towering, mm-hmm. whereas the big house actually, you like walk in at the top level from almost ground level and it just goes down into the ground. So you, mm-hmm. you would, you would almost drive by it and not know it's there. Cause it, it's not a massive erected structure. Damn. I, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Also, you know, we're going to have USC in the Big Ten. I know what you're trying to do, Zach. That's why I cut you off. Uh, but you, uh, USC would be a cool stadium to play in. I don't know what the new schedule is going to look like. But uh, how much does conference realignment play play into the part uh, as a recruit right now for you? Um, not too much. Um, you know, like obviously, you know, you can see the conference is changing, you know, a tad bit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have to be – you know, whoever you have to be. So, I mean, it doesn't really change yeah. that much. So you're, you're playing, uh, I know left tackle primarily now and kind of a swing right left tackle, I guess in, in high school um, with you coming to Nebraska, it looks like they're looking to bump you toward the interior. Kind of like I said earlier, guard center. Are you looking forward to being able to be a bully on the inside and not have to worry so much about the speed rushers on the outside? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I feel like there's pros and cons to both, but I mean, a tackle used to be very patient. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I played guard at camps and stuff, and I might play guard this season. I'm talking to my high school coach about it. But, you know, I, I look forward to just be able to jump set someone, just get my hands on them, not, you know, just have to kick and wait, you know. Well, that was one of my favorite things about watching your film is when you got a hand on somebody, uh, they were going for a ride. It didn't matter where on the <laughs> field they were going. Uh, they they were going about five to ten yards and driven straight into the ground. So. I think you've got the mindset for for a, uh, a hog on the front perfectly, which I feel like that's one of the big things that's been missing just from what we've seen. But um, with you committing, have you been able to contact any of the current offensive linemen just to kind of start building that you know relationship with them? Yeah, no, uh, Gunner, um, the early enrollee from this past class, you know, he reached out to me um, pretty early in my commitment, and then you know a lot of the current linemen, they, you know, they followed me on Twitter and reached out as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I guess there's a uh, well. And, and speaking of that, since we're talking about the offensive line, um, I guess one of the coolest things that I've seen that Nebraska did that no one else has really done is like the uh, pipeline jerky and different things like that, where they're actually giving guys the chance to, um, you know, make money off selling the beef jerky and stuff just by being on, on as part of the um, offensive line. And then speaking of that, the pipeline, it, it's cherished here in Nebraska. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's how the championships were all run. Um, what does that mean to you to come back to Lincoln to be one of the key contributors of the pipeline? 
No, it means it means everything. Um, you know, I, I always thought, you know, it was really cool to commit early and, you know, recruit others. But, you know, to be out because I want to build this pipeline even more. So, no, it really does mean a lot. Yeah, and 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 so speaking of that, uh, there's a couple of guys in the uh, in, that are uh, targets in Nebraska right now that you've gotten a chance to get pretty close with from the uh, junior day, right? Yeah. Okay, so I think it's Bear, and uh, I, I I'm spacing the name. I know he's a kid from Colorado. Yeah, yeah Gage. Okay, perfect. Thank you, thank you for catching that. So you've got a couple of guys that are highly recruited. You know, pretty close to us here. You said you want to be a peer recruiter. Is that one of the big things that you're pushing is, hey, I committed here. Here's why I committed here. Here's why you need to stay here. No, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I want to build, you know, a good O-line room and, you know, an O-line room where we're all close. I feel like, you know, every O-line room, you know, when you have chemistry, you're going to play good regardless. Um, and, yeah. So I do got a question for you. We talked about training a little bit earlier and it being personalized and individualized. Are you a guy, you know, where you're at currently that prefers to know how to play five positions across the board or be able to specialize at one or two spots on the offensive line? I, I would always like to know all five spots. Um, you know, you never know what happens. Someone goes down, you have to move inside or outside. Um, like my high school, you know, obviously it's going to, it's simpler playbook, but you know, I know all five positions and what they're doing. So and then that just helps when, if I'm at tackle, I know what my guard's doing. It's going to help me do my job. So, no, definitely. Gibson, do you think now that you, you've committed and we've picked up a few lately, um, the dominoes are going to start to fall for your class and you guys are just going to get this class going? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I was talking to uh, Coach Omar today. Um, you know, me and Roger Gradney, you know, we're going to start – you know, really pushing and, um, you know, applying that pressure on, you know, these guys to make sure, you know, they lock it in. Yeah, Roger, that was the other one I was thinking of was Gradney. I didn't know if you guys had gotten a chance to, you know, both be in Texas guys, if you guys were in close communication or anything like that since you were both commits in the class. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, – I just reached out to him today. Um, Coach put us in contact together. So, you know, we, you know, we got a group chat going. And, you know, as we get more commits, we're going to add to that. How far how far away are you guys in terms of like distance in Texas? Um, I'm pretty sure he's kind of far from me. I don't I don't think he's in the Houston area, so you know definitely over like I think two hours. So no no Saturday get together to watch Huskers on TV. <laughs> Probably not. Well, you know, being a being a Texas guy, uh, what I don't know if you've been up north very much, but the uh, elements up here aren't. Uh, particularly the greatest. Have you gotten a chance to really uh, experience the nice cold weather up here yet? Yeah. So actually on Saturday it was snowing as we were, or Sunday um, of that last weekend. Um, it started snowing as we leaving. And my dad, he actually lives in Fort Collins. Okay. Um, so I was with him this past winter. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not too bad with the cold. <laughs> well, being an offensive lineman, we gotta, we gotta make sure that uh, you know what you're getting <laughs> into up here. Cause we've got to keep you guys around. So, you know, one thing that we have seen, and not only not only with the coaches brought in and the coaching staff, but the current players, and now the recruits, it seems like one of the big things Coach Rule is known for is ability to uh, you know really grow relationships. Um, was there anything that stuck out with how Coach Rule recruited you? Yeah, no, Coach Rule really recruited me. Um, you know, on a relationship based recruiting. Um, you know, like you said. Um, and also, you know, he 
like when he had me, my mom in his office, you know, he talked about his family and I thought that was big, you know, for him to be able to share stuff about his family and, you know, not just only talk football. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things, especially for college coaches is, is that ability to build the relationships because it's, you know, you guys are going to be here preferably for three to five years, you know, three years, if you go pro five years, if you, if you're red shirt and graduate, I think that's one of the biggest things is, is the relationship building process here in, in Nebraska and Lincoln, you know, and, and I think Nebraska really needs to go to being a developmental program and, you know, being a guy that yourself, that's, you know, going from tackle to guard. Do you think stepping on campus as a offensive lineman, you should be a guy looking to get snaps to your first year, or do you think you should be a red shirt? How do you, how do you see that process going as well? Yeah. So, you know, they kind of shared, you know, their thoughts with me, you know, as of right now, they plan um, for a red shirt. And I, I would agree with that. You know, I want to build that strength that first year. Um, but, you know, you never know what happens. You know, I'd, I'd also love to play my first year. You know, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I mean, redshirting for an offensive lineman used to be pretty commonplace unless you get like one of the freaks like Joe Thomas or anything like that that steps out. But are there any guys that you currently watch in the NFL that you kind of emulate your game after? I, um, you know, I really like Tyron Smith. I've always liked him since I started playing O-line. Um, you know, he's a dog. And then um, you're not a Cowboys fan, though, are you? No, no. I'm oh, not thank a God. And then um, Quentin Nelson, um, you know, I kind of uh, I really like the way he plays O-line. He's just me. Yeah, that's that's a dude that just just beats the hell out of you. I think it's a really polite way to put it. You yeah. know, he was, I, I believe he was coached by the uh, offensive line coach from Notre, Notre Dame, uh, one of Riola's kind of mentors. Does that give you, I guess, being one of the favorite players, does that kind of give you a little bit of more excitement to play for Coach Riola, learning some of those tricks? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's, yeah, that, that's a mean-ass dude. I hate saying that because he's a Cowboy and I'm an Eagles fan, but – I got to give a little bit of props where props are due there, I guess. Oh, yeah. But, you know, offensive line, it's kind of key to the program. It's something that you always need, and it's one of the hardest things to build. Um, it's one of the first things that you notice looks bad on a team when it is bad, and it's one of the first things that you don't notice when the team looks good. You've got a bunch of guys in the class of 24 with you. Let's say that – Let's say that everyone commits. You got Baker on one side. You got yourself. Who do you see being in which position? Do you see like a couple guys going out to tackle? Do you see everyone filling that guard room? What, what do you? What are your thoughts on kind of what the guys that are in the class with you? Yeah, no. Um, you know, if when it comes to like me um, and Gage, I think we'd play more interior. Um, you know, I think Baker's got pretty long arms. You know, I, I don't know for sure, but just from what I saw, and then. Um, Definitely Grant, uh, Grant Briggs. He, he'd probably play tackle. You know, he's a pretty big dude. Yeah. Yeah. Gibson, um, going back to Coach Riola, uh, obviously he's only had one year here to, you know, kind of build up the offensive line. And it's an area that we've struggled for the better half of two decades, as from a fan perspective, at least. What are some of the things that he kind of, that he shares in terms of, his goals and and how he plans to to build it up with you guys. Yeah, no, um, he's really fundamental driven, um, and he wants he wants all his players to have good technique. Um, that's just really what he was preaching, and, and it, it reflects it in his practice. Um, very meticulous on the details um, in practice, and 
you know, he makes it known when, you know, you're not, you know, you may, maybe you get the job done, but you know, your technique was bad. He's going to, he's going to get onto you about it. Um, but also when your technique's good, he's going to, you know, he's going to praise you for it. So I think that was big for me. Gibbs, I got a question for you being personal preference here. Are you a guy that prefers to get coached up in the moment or you prefer a guy or, you know, go through or to go through your reps and catch it on film later and then be coached up later? I prefer in the moment, um, you know, cause I'm one of those guys when I, when I make us, I learn better when I reflect on my mistakes. And so, you know, when I'm practicing, I can go back and I vividly remember that moment when I got coached. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's easier to catch the mistakes in the moment, catch it, get the muscle memory there, as opposed to, you know, if you're watching film three hours later, it's hard to catch a lot of those things that you could caught in the moment. But, um, you know, we're, we're damn excited that you're here and committed to Nebraska. Is there anything that you want to say to Husker fans for this upcoming season that they should look forward to or be excited for? You know, you're going to be a 24 guy, so not here immediately, but what should Husker fans be excited about this upcoming season? Really just the staff and what they're going to do. I think Nebraska is a sleeping giant, um, and I think it's about to be awakened. Man, it feels good to hear that, and it feels good for to hear that from <laughs> someone that's committed to the program. Yeah, that's what we've been waiting to hear, so we're, we're, we're so excited for that. But, um, Drake, do you, do you have any other questions for Gibson tonight? No, I'm good. Gibson, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, really appreciate it. Really uh, appreciate getting to hear your story and, and your views on things. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Gibson, it was a pleasure, my man. Appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Um, have a great rest of your night, and we look forward to seeing your kind of career up to getting to Lincoln. All right, everybody. That was our newest commitment to the 2024 class in Gibson Pyle. Uh, it, it was fun talking with that young man. Um, he's had a big weekend committing to the university. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting, uh, Drake, tell me your thoughts on this because – I know we're going to talk about quarterbacks, but I want to talk about the Nebraska-Texas connection for a second, okay? Remember when we were told that Nebraska could no longer recruit Texas once they moved to the Big Ten? Um, Yeah, and I remember thinking then that that was moronic, but... And bullshit. Um, I mean... Yeah. I, Some I, of our best players since we moved to the Big Ten still came from Texas. Um, Tarmy Armstrong is one who comes to mind. Rex Burkhead, I think Arm, I think Ar Anderson, uh, out at um, Oregon State also came from Texas, I believe. I think he was the Avery Anderson, I think that was it. But he's an outside linebacker, ended up making all pack 12 there. Um, but he yeah. was under Riley and then transferred out really quickly. But why do one. I feel why do I feel like Avery Anderson was from is am I am I misspoken here? Well, is that a California guy? Um, no, I felt like he was from Connecticut. Avery Roberts. Is who there you go. That's the one I'm thinking of. Sorry about that. Yeah. And I guess my, my memory's not from? as good as it used to be at all. He's from Wilmington, Delaware. Holy shit, I was off. Those, those, those mean, aren't close, I guess. I, I, I was close with Connecticut. You were much closer than I was with Texas. Yeah. I guess I should really get my geography under control here. But um, going back to that, like, Ohio State. Texas is important to answer your question. It let's, is. But let's, just, 
Let's well, jump to it, right? But you, you've got Ohio State, you've got Michigan, both further north than Nebraska, able to recruit Texas pretty effortlessly. I mean, yes. now granted, they've got the relationships and that, that it, someone tried getting into an argument with me about that. But um, so you also got to show Texas a little bit of love, even if you don't have the relationships, you still got to make the offers. Yes, absolutely. So I, I think it's a twofold problem, right? And you could say there's correlation equals causation, whatever you want here, because you, you be could sell me on that. Um, I think Nebraska stopped recruiting Texas because they didn't think they could recruit Texas. And then when they tried to get back to Texas, they couldn't because it was a dumpster fire and they weren't winning. Um, Ohio State and Michigan have never really stopped winning, and they've always been in the conference that they're in. But like, they're both like Nebraska is obviously a storied program, but so are Michigan and Ohio State, and they have continued to win. Um, I know winning has a lot to do with it, but yeah, I, absolutely. And you could sell me on the fact that part of our struggles over the last two decades. Really, the last decade is where we've been a true dumpster fires because we stopped recruiting Texas. I feel like Bo did it a little bit, and then Riley and Frost just were – Riley was all California, and Frost was pretty much all Florida. Um, as much as Frost liked to talk about the 500-mile radius, he didn't really recruit the 500-mile radius. Yeah, and so I, I looked through it because I was really interested, and for some reason I just had to check this for myself and wanted to see the number. You know, Matt Rule had seven recruits in his three months he's been here from Texas, and then Scott in his entire tenure here had seven. I just think it's kind yeah. of kind of a crazy stat when you look at that and Frost being here. You know, the um, footprint that Texas has had on this program, like the guys that they've had roll through, to me, it kind of seems like it's always a non-brainer, a no-brainer. You've got to still recruit Texas no matter what. Yeah, I'm, I, th- I think there's three three states that Nebraska has to recruit, and we've had success in those three states over, you know, the last 40 years. New Jersey, Florida, and Texas. You have to you have to get guys from all three of those states regularly, and then you have to do, you have to dominate the Midwest. Um, you're the the biggest program near Colorado, so we got to dominate Colorado's in state recruiting. Got to dominate the Dakotas when you can. Got to dominate the Kansas City, St. Louis area when you can. Obviously, St. Louis is pretty close to Columbia, Missouri as well. Arkansas is pretty close to them, but you gotta you gotta pick places and you gotta build those pipelines. Um, you know, we've had tons of great players out of New Jersey. We've had Tommy Frazier from Florida. Um, yeah, California's big too, but I think I don't know how to say this. I think certain states develop certain kinds of talent at a high level. Like I think Texas is going to be elite at producing offensive linemen. I think they're going to be elite at producing defensive linemen, probably some running backs, linebackers. You know, they're going to have some, they're going to, Texas is going to produce all kinds of talent, right? Like at every position. But is Florida, California, New Jersey, are they probably going to have more skill position players? Probably just because of the way the state's built. Um, That, so I think you got like 
you you go pluck all the talent you can from each of these places, but you have to know what you're looking for in these places. And as we saw with a couple of the last staffs, there was never really a plan for recruiting anything at all. It was, let's throw it at the wall and hope it sticks. Could I interest you in Georgia being a state that you have to have as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I know it's I, right next door to Florida and all, but Georgia, to me, with the, the inf- infusion of talent they've had the last few years especially, seems like that's another one that you almost can't miss it anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think that you can avoid states at all. No, not no. That's um, not what I'm getting at. Because well, I mean, like no, I said, I'm, what I guess I, I said that wrong. I think every state needs to be a priority. Every state. I mean, think about it. Nevada, right? Like Nevada is not known for talent, but they have prep schools mm-hmm. now. And they, Spencer Rattler, as much as Nebraska fans probably hate him from his time on Netflix, Spencer Rattler was a high level recruit. Um, the other. The other kid that was on that same show that ended up at Miami after Ohio Tate Martell. Tate Martell. Yeah, Tate Martell. Um, yeah, I mean, you have those prep schools. That's that's part of the reason why f- recruiting in Florida has gotten so big because there's so many prep schools down there too. Like, obviously, everybody knows Florida is fertile, but now you have the prep schools that pump out the best players for every sport regularly. IMG Academy is. I, IMG Academy in in some sports could com, compete with Power Five Division One programs. Just freakish um, what they have over there, and and some of their some of their not the entirety of the facility, but some parts of their facilities rival Power Five schools. It's it's impressive. Well, yeah, um, and their recruitment process is is pretty college like as well. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Um, my brother in law's little brother was a baseball coach there for some time. I knew a lot of guys that were there for a while. Um, it, it's, it's a different intense. level down there. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you're going to get that at a lot of prep schools because a lot of prep schools aren't just high school, right? They have the post-grad, too. That, that's more common in basketball, but but you see it some in football. Um, I just think every state needs to be a priority until you have that pipeline built and you're getting the players that you need to have. Yeah, it seems like there's a new concentration on the Northeast. Um, Texas, obviously, is a big pipeline pipeline that's being reconstructed or, you know, repaired with, with the current staff and all the connections that they've got there. Um, you know, it it's, it's funny. They say that if you're a good player, no matter where you're at, a coach will find you. I think that's the case with that Gatlin Bear, the uh, mm-hmm. wide receiver. He's from Boise, Ohio. The highest recruit to ever Idaho. come out of Ohio. Oh, Idaho. Thank you, Boise. Duh. You are Idaho. Um, I am Idaho. Um, but he's the highest recruit to ever come out of Idaho. If you're a player, they'll find you. It doesn't matter where, which is kind yeah. of cool. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there's there's hundreds of guys every year that go under recruited, right? I mean, that's how North Dakota State becomes North Dakota State. They, they live off of that. But – at the end of the day, and, and we've talked about this before, um, that's one of the things I like about this staff is we have people from all over the country with connections all over the country on the staff. Um, because if it had only been guys from the Northeast that had all played for rule at Temple and they only had connections in the Northeast, we would only be recruiting the Northeast. Like Coaches think the best levels of talent 
come from where they came from and where they have their connections. And that's just not the case. There's talent all over the place. Um, you know, it's easier to recruit where you've got connections, but there's talent everywhere. Yeah. But my point is like a, a high school coach out of Texas who gets a college job, you know, we have a couple of them here at Nebraska now. They probably deep down in their bones feel all the best football players in the entire country, minus a few, come out of Texas. There are guys on the staff from Pennsylvania or that played at Temple, and they think all the best players come from that Northeast area. And that's just not the case. There's a high concentration, absolutely, but it's not all the best players. So having guys with connections all over the country and being from different parts of the country is so important. And one thing that I love about how we built this staff or how Matt Rule built it. Yeah, Rule's built a uh, – he's finally treating the Nebraska program like a Fortune 500 company and, and running it accordingly, you know, with him being the CEO at the top and having everybody playing their part to essentially make the wheels roll correctly. And it sounds like – and you can see it in, in practice clips too, like when him and uh, Tony White were discussing things on the sideline and kind of getting – not getting into it with each other, but they were getting into the movement of whatever was happening. Everybody has a, has a say in what's going on. Everybody's voice is heard. I don't think there's anybody on the staff that is an absolute yes man. I you could sell me that Garrett McGuire is just because he's so young, but um, I I I love the staff. I love that everybody has a voice. Everybody listens. It appears. Um, it's going to be fun to watch this this grow. Yeah, it seems like, you know, um, the, the details finally matter. And it's it's more of the small things that matter um, because it feels like this staff knows you do the small things right, you'll do the big things right. You know, mm-hmm. the small things add up daily, get 1% better daily. We've heard that. So it's it's just kind of refreshing to actually see it going into effect on the, on the practice field. But. Let's uh let's let's talk a little quarterbacks, Drake. Let's do it because uh, you know you still got Casey Thompson, um, unable to really throw the ball with the shoulder, still still bouncing back from that. He mm-hmm. is back sooner than expected, but it's, he's still down right now. You got a lot of uh, highlights on Jeff Sims, who can he, he had a rocket arm at at Georgia Tech, like his arm wasn't the problem. It was his footwork that was a problem. It was his accuracy that was the problem. Yeah, um, arm strength is 100% there. Yeah, absolutely. And and seeing some of the throws he made during the scrimmages have been impressive, but we're seeing a lot of Harburg as well. Is it, you know, something we should look at? Or what, what, what do you think? Because I, I think he's in I, battle for three. I, I, I think he's in battle for two, honestly, with an outside, a very outside shot at one. Um, I just, I, I don't know what to make of what's going to come of Smothers and Purdy. I, I just don't, um, especially with their injuries. I, I think Harburg and Sims are much more of what the staff is looking for. I think Harburg from an accuracy and a mechanic standpoint is probably ahead of Jeff Sims but still not acclimated to the speed of the game, still not as athletic as Sims, probably does. 
He doesn't have the same type of arm strength. He has a strong arm, but it's a different type of strength. He uh, he he throws the ball with a lot more touch, and Sims throws fucking bullets. Um, so I I think Harburg is in a race for for two, and I I do think it's a two horse race between Casey and Jeff Sims. I I'm leaning Casey just because of the experience. Um, experience is the main part dude's obviously a warrior um after what he went through last year and would i love to see a true quarterback battle absolutely but i i almost think casey casey has already been anointed the starter um part of that is you know just the way things have gone here for the last 10 years um and i have a bad taste in my mouth so I, nine times out of ten, I'm taking rule and this staff at their word. I'm just not 100% taking them at their word on this one because if I'm Casey, I have a chance to transfer again. I have a chance to walk away and, you know, go play Canadian, potentially have a shot at the NFL. Why am I coming back to Nebraska if if I'm competing for the job? That That's just where I'm at. Yeah, I I get that. I I've been like fifty-one forty-nine flipping back and forth between Sims and and Thompson, just depending on the week. Honestly, I know I said I think Sims wins the job. I still kind of feel like that just because he's healthier now. He's able to get get the actual live reps during the scrimmage and different things like that. I'd like to know what the timeline is on Thompson on how long he's going to be down for. You know with the yeah. non-contact because it seems like the staff isn't afraid to run the quarterbacks, even during scrimmages. But yeah. The one thing I would say, and I, I hear you about the reps and everything, but with the amount of experience that Casey has, the amount of time that he's spending in the film room, and it's not like he's not getting reps. They're probably still putting him through reps. He's just not throwing the ball. So he's getting the reads down. Yeah, and, and that could be, and if that's the case, then I, I believe it's all, it's a 50-50 battle. I mean, Sims has yeah. a lot of starting experience himself. I think it just depends on, you know, how much they're willing to tweak the system that they want to run to fit the quarterback that they've got in at that point. Because you've got two different kinds of quarterbacks there. No, 100% you do. I, ooh, ooh, this is tough. This is tough. I think... Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield and the rest of the staff will adjust what they have to do to have the best chance to win. Meaning, if Casey Thompson is the best quarterback, but it doesn't a hundred percent fit their system, they're gonna they're gonna change the system to fit him just enough because he gives them the better chance. And that's only if they feel like he gives them the better chance. Yeah, I feel like whoever wins the starting quarterback position is going to give the team the best chance to win. So I, I want a little hypothetical question here. Uh, since we know, you know, Coach Rule is is pretty stat, pretty savvy, and usually thinks a couple moves down the road. Let's talk about Riola for a second here, and let's say we don't get him. Do you think Coach Ryle or uh, you know Coach Rule and Coach Satterfield have had? discussions with any other quarterbacks in the 24 class possibly ones they've previously recruited in Satterfield um I'm sure they have 
especially if there was one that was really interested in playing for Satterfield. I'm I'm sure they've had those conversations. Let's say there's one that committed to Satterfield before he transferred or before he took the Nebraska job. Yeah, I'm sure there's been conversations. Um, but I don't know. How do I want to say this? I don't know that the staff is worried about having a backup plan for this class for Riola because of how deep this quarterback room is. And when I say deep, I just mean bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have, what do you have on, on roster now? Five, five scholarship, five plus scholarship. a walk on from Ole Miss. Yep. And then I think you got another one in there too. So maybe seven bodies total. I, I think I think it's eight or nine bodies. Even you could, you could be right because I'm sure there's a couple of guys that we just don't have the names in front of us on. Yeah, one of them plays baseball right now. Okay. Um, so I don't know. Like I'm sure they have a contingency plan, but I don't know if they're willing to risk. And I who knows if they throw an offer out, it might mean nothing to Riola, right? Like it could be a big deal to him. It could mean nothing. No, nobody really knows the answer there. Um, I don't know that they are willing to risk it if they know it's a big deal to throw an offer to somebody. Yeah, my my only thought was, you know, obviously you see all the um, crystal balls and everything like that changing constantly, which until an official visit's taken, I, I take everything with a grain of salt. Um, just kind of was thinking about that. I've seen a couple things this weekend about possibly some flyers being taken on. Previous uh, previous quarterbacks have been committed to other places. Yeah, but, no, but, absolutely. But you, like you said, let's say if, if you got Harburg, he's a redshirt freshman, I believe. Still, you've mm-hmm. still got him for four years. I mean, and you want to backfill him. You've got guys in the twenty-five class, but if you miss in this class, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Especially knowing that the portal is always there. Yeah, that's that's I, I think that's how you have to look. And and I'm not giving up on the whole Riola thing. I still think Nebraska has a pretty good fighting sh- shot at him, but just you can't burn bridges in the transfer portal era. I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. So I and when I said the transfer portal is always there, I wasn't referring to Riola transferring at a later date. No, I was no, just saying, I, you know, three years from now, Harburg you don't feel like Harburg's the guy you go get a bridge guy if you need to. Right. Like, and I think the staff is, is leaning that way. Now, if Ryle ends up committing then yeah, I think they start throwing out offers to other quarterbacks, but I think they're ride or die with him until, until he, you know, leaves the dance for somebody else. That makes sense. Yeah. I was just kind of wondering opinion on that. I was thinking about that the last day or so, but. Yeah, I, I still think Nebraska is a heavy contender for him. It's just you never know what the hell is going to happen, and we probably won't for about three more months. So it is what I'm, it is. I am not changing my tune. I still think Riola ends up with an end on his helmet. Yeah, I'm, I'm still pretty dug in on that so with the, the same opinion I've had. Um, I know there's been a lot of stuff about him changing in Georgia and different things like that and blah, 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 but <sighs> – Hey, maybe I could just be reading the situation wrong like everything else. I mean, it's a possibility, but I, I do think he's in at the end of the day as well. But, yeah, me too. Drake, um, that was all about all I had. You know, it was a cool interview with uh, Gibson Pyle and 
I just wanted to chat a little bit more about some of the things I'd seen this, you know, last week or so, but I got nothing else. You got anything, my man? I'm good, brother. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you later, everybody. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid-filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red. A Heard at Sports Network production.